What medical lessons have we learned from the San Diego wildfires that caused the evacuation of over 300,000 people? Join us today for our show, Out of the Ashes, Medical Lessons from the San Diego Wildfires. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, your host of the Boondocks Wilderness and Travel Medicine Show. With me today is Mr. Chris Van Gorder. Mr. Van Gorder is President and Chief Executive Officer of Scripps Health, a San Diego-based, not-for-profit, integrated healthcare delivery system with nearly 11,000 employees. As CEO, Mr. Van Gorder manages all functions of the $1.6 billion corporation and, in his free time, commands the San Diego Sheriff's Department Search and Rescue Bureau. Today we're discussing the medical lessons learned from the San Diego wildfires. Mr. Van Gorder, welcome to our program. Wonderful. Well, I want to get right into it and ask, how did you even get involved in your responsibilities working with the San Diego County's office? Actually, about five years ago, I'm a retired police officer from the L.A. County area. I was injured in the line of duty many years ago, and as a result of the injuries, I was retired from the department, and the hospital that had taken care of me actually hired me at that time as a department director, and then I've worked my way up over the years to the point now where I'm the CEO of the healthcare system. When I came down to San Diego, I guess I never lost the luster for law enforcement, and I just looked into joining the Search and Rescue Bureau. They had a fabulous program down here. I joined it a little over five years ago and moved up the ranks rather quickly, and I'm now the commander of the Sheriff's Department Search and Rescue Unit. And what do your responsibilities entail as commander of that unit? Well, we have about 150 trained professional search and rescue, either rescue volunteers or sworn deputies. I work for a county search and rescue coordinator, a regular sergeant with the Sheriff's Department, and our unit is responsible for, you know, 24-hour-a-day 365-day-a-year call-outs for missing, lost people, injured people that need rescued. Uh, we have technical rescue teams and canine units and mounted, and, of course, we use the uh, entire resources of the Sheriff's Department. So we stay very active. Probably about 58 searches last year. Wow. And I saw on your website that almost all of them, I think it was 98%, were successful uh, recoveries. That's correct. That's wonderful. Best record out there, sounds like. It's a very good record. It's uh, We're one of the only counties that actually has a search and rescue academy. So we actually train our own professional rescuers. And of course, it takes years to develop all the skills, but it's a very professional unit. So Chris, how did you get involved either directly or indirectly with the effort that galvanized behind the San Diego wildfires? Well, anytime there's a expectation of a major disaster, in this case a fire, and right before the fire we knew that there was going to be major Santa Ana winds, almost identical conditions to the fires, the devastating fires from a few years ago, the county puts its resources on alert, both firefighting and law enforcement. And so our unit was already on standby in the event there was a major fire, and unfortunately it turned out that there was. So then we paged out all of our folks, actually rendezvoused at the Southern Command and stood by for any assignments the Sheriff's Department might have for us. And what were some of those first assignments that you were given? We actually initially tried to make sure our own people were okay, and there were a number of our search and rescue members that lived in the Ramona area and the Julian area, right in the areas of the fire. So we made sure that our people were taken care of and that we could get into them or we could get them out. We also, since we have a canine unit and a mounted unit, have a certain amount of expertise in handling large animals. So a number of our people assisted in the evacuation of horses from ranches in the affected areas. 
And then while the firefighting was taking place and the regular law enforcement people were being deployed, we provided some logistical support for the department. We actually got very involved more in the recovery side of the fire than we did during the actual acute phases of the fire. Now, you were stationed then out in Ramona and were taking orders from where? We were actually stationed at Grossmont College. That was the headquarters for the Southern Command. Okay. And they actually had a, a Northern Command that was up obviously in the northern part of the county, Mm -hmm. and a southern command. So initially, our focus was on the Harris Fire, which was the southern part of the county, even though we had a lot of our own people up involved in the northern command. So that's where our headquarters was, and of course we had people coming and going all the time and participating in different deployments or squads going out into the field. Based on the fact that this had happened just a few years ago, I'm assuming you had a pretty good idea of what was going to be required on your end. Yeah, the difference this time was interesting. The last time this occurred, we were paged out in the middle of the night. We actually went out to Ramona, and right upon arrival, we were chased out of our command post there, had to race back with the fire spreading rapidly back to Lakeside, where we ended up centralizing our operations. This time, there was more pre-planning. I think there was anticipation that there could be bad fires. There are more uh, firefighting equipment now available, more firefighting helicopters, and so there was a little bit more pre-planning. So we got involved much earlier during the last fire than we got involved in this fire because they had more regular resources available. And at what point do you think you realized as an individual that this was going to be different? This was going to be something that required a citywide effort? I live on the coast, and I was kind of initially monitoring the fire when we heard that it broke out. And, you know, you could just tell from the wind conditions, you know, and I was listening to the radio report from the sheriff's department that uh, this was going to be a fire that was a major fire. Now, whether or not it was going to get out of control remained to be seen in the early hours. Of course, we ended up having three or four fires at the very same time. So that's what started taxing the resources of the entire county and the state. We were living in Carmel Valley ourselves at the time, and I'm from New Jersey, Philadelphia area. This normally doesn't happen to us out there. With The worst weather we get usually is a snowstorm or an ice storm. And when I was told we needed to evacuate, we drove up Northern California. So this was something new for us. All my colleagues at Rady Children's Hospital seemed like they evacuated into La Jolla, but I got the heck out of Dodge. So... Well, I actually live in Carmel Valley as well. Oh, okay. (laughs) We were evacuated for one night, and my family and I actually lived in my office here at Scripps for a night, along with a whole lot of other employees that were in the command operations here for our healthcare system. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Andrew Kurkowski, your host of Boondocks Wilderness and Travel Medicine Show, and I'm speaking with Chris Van Gorder. We're discussing lessons learned from the San Diego wildfires. Chris... What is it like to have to be in charge of this sort of effort? I mean, do you sort of have to get your game face on? How do you approach even giving the first orders to your crew, expecting that a decision that you just made is going to get carried out in the field for something like this? Well, I guess it all comes down to training. And I have this very unusual job of actually having two major jobs during disasters. I'm running the healthcare system here at Scripps, and I've got this command responsibility with the Sheriff's Department, certainly under the entire regular department, which is, you know, very, very well qualified, very professional. So I ended up doing double duty. I'd either make phone calls or zip over here to our offices for Scripps, making sure that the healthcare system was being taken care of and all of the disaster mechanisms we had in place were working, and then going out with the Sheriff's Department to make sure that my people, you know, the Search and Rescue Bureau, were getting their job done for the sheriff's department. So both organizations, extremely professional, both train constantly for, you know, not necessarily a fire, but for disasters basically of any sort. So I have very, very professional
professional people and a command structure in both locations that I can count on. Since you brought up Scripps, how were they directly involved? Because I know, I mean, you saw them everywhere during this effort. Well, certainly like every other healthcare provider, just like Rady Children's Hospital and Sharp and all of the hospitals, we have a major responsibility not only to take care of the patients that we had in the hospital at the time of the disaster, but to prepare for any other patients that might have to receive care. We were more acutely involved this time. Our Scripps Encinitas Hospital was on the verge of being evacuated because of the smoke from the fires up in the north part of the county were moving towards the ocean. The county asked us to put our hospital and put all the plans in place to evacuate that hospital. And we had heavy impact by smoke. All of our hospitals, virtually from Encinitas to Chula Vista, in fact, I'd be surprised if any hospital in the county was not severely impacted by smoke. So we were putting our air scrubbers in place so we can maintain operations, ordering scrubbers and having them brought in from out of county to make sure we could keep our hospitals in operation, making sure that our supply chain, because almost every hospital is on a just-in-time inventory, mm-hmm. and since the 15 freeway was blocked, Closed, coming, yeah, sure. you know, so we had to make sure our supplies were coming in. So there's a variety of things that we have to do to make sure that we can still take care of the patients. And did you see a huge spike in the number of patients who were coming in for either smoke inhalation injuries or regular emergency visits? Or were people sort of mindful that if they didn't need to be in the hospital those days, this was the day to stay at home? Well, we actually, and again, I think all the hospitals in the county did this, we stopped all of our elective work. And so that opens up a certain amount of capacity. We certainly saw a lot more respiratory distress. We did a lot of breathing treatments at all of the hospitals. I don't have the final numbers, but certainly we probably saw a spike of well over 1,000 or 2,000 patients that ultimately needed some form of first aid or breathing treatment, et cetera. We didn't see a whole lot of increase in trauma or anything like that that would normally happen. In fact, I think a lot of people just stayed home and stayed away from work. So a lot of the normal activity dropped and the other kind of work picked up, the disaster-related work. So Chris, what sort of search and rescue work was your team involved in initially and sort of how did that change over time as the fire spread? Well, during the acute phase of the fire, most of my people supplied kind of logistic support for the regular deputies that were going in the field doing the law enforcement work. We generally try not to do the law enforcement work and focus our attention on search and rescue. As the fire started dying down, we were asked to deploy into at least a couple of severely burned areas to look for survivors or for folks that had been reported missing. And at that point, it seemed to me, at least watching this on the news, that a lot of people weren't leaving their homes. There's always a certain number of folks that decide to stay at home, regardless of the reverse 911 calls that advise people to leave their homes or the deputies or firefighters knocking on the door. Nobody's ever forced to leave their homes, but at the same time, the last thing we want to do is go in and find a body later that was burned because they didn't get out. So the majority of folks follow the rules and do what they need to do to evacuate and protect what they can, but there's always a few that decide to hang out. What sort of lessons did you learn, Chris, as a result of your efforts heading this? Well, I can tell you, I think that the county and the city are far better prepared than they were during the last fires. And I can tell you, we're also much better prepared than we were prior to 9-11. There have been significant resources coming down from the federal government and the state government to law enforcement, fire, counties, and cities. In my opinion, much of that money has been very, very well used. We still have issues in the city with not enough fire trucks in particular, not enough fire stations. But I can tell you that you know communication was far better this time than it was the last time. In fact, the information we received, and putting on my Scripps hat for a minute, we received almost instantaneous communication from the County Emergency Operations Center 
We now have our own emergency operations center for the entire system that we did not have prior to 9-11 and even during the last fire. And so literally we were getting digital information straight from the emergency operations center. We were able to kind of cut and paste, put that on a BlackBerry, send that out to all of our employees on their computers or if they had Blackberries. And literally we were getting information about the progress of the fire, areas that were being evacuated, at least in two hours maybe before the media would put it out. That really helped us take care of our own employees and deal with any risk to the hospitals. I was actually taking that information off my BlackBerry when I had my sheriff's uniform on, and I was sharing that with the command staff in the Southern Command because I was actually getting information from Scripps faster than they were getting it (laughs) through the county. Great. Well, I'd like to thank Mr. Chris Van Gorder, who's been our guest here on Boondocks Wilderness and Travel Medicine Show. We've been discussing the medical lessons learned from the San Diego wildfires. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, your host of the Boondocks Wilderness and Travel Medicine Show. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And for more information about Mr. Van Gorder and Scripps Health, please visit www.scripps.org.